Father God, we are so grateful that you love us that much. It's beyond our understanding, and we receive that. We receive your love, those waves that keep coming and keep coming. Overwhelm us. Overwhelm us this morning, God, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning to you. You're, um wonderful, powerful worship time. We're so appreciative of the chance to have a, a great worship team who not only are excellent musically, but um, love the Lord and love to worship too. I, I was saying to Mark between services, Mark the drummer up there and stuff, like if he can play with one hand and get one hand in the air, he'll do it. Did you see that going on? You know, when he needs two, but he had two sticks, but sometimes he can make it work. And that's just real from the heart. So we feel blessed to have that here at Twin Cities. Well, today I, I want to um, start today with some fun. Let's talk about anxiety. Does that work? Anybody here ever feel anxious about anything? Is that ever an issue? Anybody here enjoy feeling anxious? And some of you may say, I don't do the anxiety thing, but maybe being very concerned is your thing, right? Or having apprehension. But whatever you'd call it, the truth is anxiety is a killer. It's not fun, it's not healthy, and it's not God's desire for you. Wait a minute, Pastor John, I thought we were talking about finances today and not anxiety. In fact, some of you are a little anxious about talking about finances. But the truth is, we're going to actually talk about both today. You see, we aren't anxious about things we don't care about, are we? That's really where it starts, anxiety, things we care about. So, for example, who will win the South Dakota Little League Championship this year? Losing sleep over that? kind of biting your fingernails, agonizing over that, or perhaps you're hung up on the price of sauerkraut in the Ukraine. Will it go up or go down next month, right? So you're, you're just, you know, some of you right now are grabbing your phones and looking to see, checking online to see Ukrainian sauerkraut. How's that going? Because it's, it's an anxious moment for you. It's not, is it? It's not at all. And, and, and the, the truth is we don't get anxious about things that don't affect us or that we don't care about, right? And, but that's why we're talking about anxiety and money today. Okay, because most of us care uh, more about finances, especially our own finances, than we do about faraway little league championships and Ukrainian sauerkraut, or wherever that came from, right? So that that's right. What's there? When and when we care about something as compelling and powerful as money and finances is here in our culture in our world, um, then it's easy to care too much about it, and and that leads to anxiety. Do we have enough money? And how much money is enough money? And how much more do we need? And what happens if we lose what we have? And money in our possessions and our stuff? And, and then money and our stuff can, can so easily become our focus and our priorities. And they just get out of whack all of a sudden. And, and we find ourselves in a bad place. You know, whether you love money and it, you're drawn to it and things, or you're just kind of like, oh, man, I hate the whole concept is there. Either way, either approach can lead us really focusing on money. We all of a sudden spending our time either loving it or hating it, pushing it away, grabbing it in that focus sometimes even excludes God and kind of leaves him off to the side. Now, during our Simplify series that we've been at here at Twin Cities the last few weeks, we've been discovering that simplifying our lives is often uh, tied to releasing control of something. That's our time, maybe, our calendar, our schedule, our wills. And today we're looking at the fact that um, there's no way to simplify your life if your relationship with money is out of control. Now, it's obvious when you read the Bible that a right relationship with our finances is important to God. I mean, the Bible is full of advice and warnings about money, but don't worry. The power of God wants to break the power of money in your life. That's just the truth. And 
you see, without us realizing it, money can slowly move in and take a position of power in our lives. And we, maybe we never intended it, but it just kind of happens. And, and, and then that can lead us into some very dark places. So this idea of surrendering control, surrendering control of your finances to God can be scary. But it can also bring unbelievable peace into your life. And isn't the idea of peace and simplicity in our lives more attractive than the worry anxiety and apprehension that can that can overwhelm us when we put our focus on money so we kind of have a choice that we can make well today i want us to take a look at how god wants to help us he really wants to help us today in this whole area of anxiety over life and finances and we'll be looking at some of jesus's words found in luke chapter 12 if you have your bible with you you can open to luke 12 we'll be camped out there taking a look at verses 22 through 34 so if you have your bible again you can open it there and uh, we always have Bibles out in the lobby as well, so on the way, and you can grab one. Keep it if you don't have one at home, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, that's a great tool to have. Well, today we're going to see, uh, as we look at this passage, that Jesus wants to help us simplify our financial world. He doesn't want us to feel guilty about it. He wants to help us. Yay, we have a possibility here. We take a look at, at simplification. Well, the first thing to know right where we start today is that focusing on money and things leads to fear and worry. Focusing on money and things leads to fear and worry. If you want to follow along in your outline and take some notes, you can do that. Your first fill in the blanks would be the fear and worry that comes when we focus on, on, uh, on uh, things and money. Now, I think we pretty much know this to be true, but it doesn't seem to change the way we do our lives. You know what I mean? You most of go, yeah, that, that's true. Now, this is one of those insane moments when we make the mistakes, same mistakes over and over again, getting the same results, but we keep trying the same thing, somehow thinking that it'll be different this time. <laughs> and Jesus says, what are you doing? Are you crazy? <laughs> First service, I said, are you high? And it kind of freaked everybody out. So I backed off, but had to share it anyway. But that's kind of like it. That's not there in the Bible. That's my translation. But Jesus is looking at our attempts to kind of, and it just, it, it keeps happening. He says, are you, I'll say crazy this time around. <laughs> well, in Luke 12, again, verse 30, uh, starting at verse 22, uh, here's what Jesus does say. And he says this, he's talking to his followers. He, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, oh, this is why I tell you not to worry about um, uh, everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and, and your body more than clothing. He says, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, but, but God feeds them. And you, precious people, he's saying, you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Again, he turns and says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father, he already knows your needs. And we'll stop there. Jesus looks around and he sees his most beloved creation, people. That's his most beloved creation. That's you. That's us. And, and he sees us, his most beloved creation, running around like chickens with our heads cut off in our worry over money and things while the chickens themselves are just kind of chilling. They're just kind of pecking at stuff on the ground, laughing at our frantic attempts to get everything under our own control. 
<laughs> where the chickens with the heads cuts off. They're like, what are you doing? Buck, buck, you know, laughing away at us in this process. Now, now let's be honest. I've got to be honest here. We can't ignore the basic needs of life. God, God isn't saying be foolish and naive about the physical needs of provision. But Jesus wants to make a point. It, it seems to be a short hop from, from basic attention and proper care you know, to all of a sudden fixation and domination of our lives. It's okay to start here, but how quickly we move into this overwhelming point. And Jesus says, don't do it. You are leading yourselves into lives of fear and worry. And he clearly says, well, how's that working for you? Because <laughs> now you're just frantic and worried, and I'm not sure things are any better for you, you know. Jesus really does want to help us simplify our financial world. Focusing on money and things leads to fear and worry. So I will make a better choice. This is the next thing that Jesus brings up. He gives us an opportunity to make a better choice, and it's this. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid and instead change my focus. Instead, I'm going to change my focus. Instead of the fear, the worry, the anxiety that comes with this focus, I want to change that. Now, where my natural focus was on money and things, I now realize that since that focus leads to big-time negative results, I need to change my focus, okay? And these words that Jesus speaks to us here in Luke give us an amazing place to put our focus, and it's really a way better alternative. Now, I got to be honest, you're right, it's going to be a pretty obvious answer that I'm going to give you here, a standard churchy answer. What's the focus? Put your trust in God. Have you ever had people say that to you when you're struggling over something? It's kind of that good old standby, standard answer, just trust God more. And you're like, that's great, that doesn't help. But you know what? It's the standard churchy answer. But it's still true. And it's one I have to say today in this area. Our focus needs to shift from money and things to the one who makes the things and gives us the money. That focus has to be there, and that turns into a focus and a trust change. And I want to read the next two verses and then tell us how we can expand our vision of what that means. Because if we say, just trust God, who is this God that we trust? I don't mean just generically, who is he? But but if we're going to put our trust and change our focus from things to God, what does that mean? Are we talking God or or what specifically? I want to read these two verses here. And Pastor Ron read them earlier. It says, right after this, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Well, seek God and his kingdom first, and he will take care of all the rest. What a great promise, and it's true. But I want to look at the second verse, the second part of this, to flesh out just who that God is who we're supposed to focus on. We're supposed to shift our focus to, to him. And it's pretty cool uh, about uh, how much God reveals about himself in this one short verse. I want to read it again, this, this second verse of these two. And it says this. It says, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It starts by saying, so don't be afraid, little flock. Now, if God is calling us his little flock, that means that we're his sheep, and that tells us that God is my shepherd. Good. So go ahead and write that down. God is my shepherd. So we just kind of say shift our focus to God. Well, what do you mean to God? Well, God is my, by the way, he isn't just the shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. And the focus goes there. Now, what's a shepherd? A shepherd is a protector of very helpless and stupid sheep right? And I remember back a bunch of years ago, back at the Grass Valley Veterans Hall, I did a, I was able to do a message on Psalm 23. Some of you were there back in that day. And I got someone to bring me this little lamb that I could talk about what it meant to be a shepherd, you know, because we don't understand that today, except the lamb they brought me was not this. It was like this. And I kind (laughs) of staggered around, but I'll never forget that. And some of you won't either. 
But the point, the point made then as well as now is that sheep just, they depend entirely on their shepherd to keep them alive, to protect them, to very attentively watch over them because sometimes sheep can even eat themselves to death. You know, so he's got to watch. Do I have the right kind of food, the right places? It's a safe place to lie down. Where are the predators? So God being my shepherd says, I'm kind of a dumb sheep. And he says that. And if we're honest, we admit it. Yep, that, <laughs> right? kind of dumb sheep. And he says, I'm your shepherd. I care about you greatly. I'm going to protect you. I'm, I'm watching over you attentively and attentively to every detail that's in need. Could you focus on him? That's the God who says, focus on me, that shepherd who's caring for you. Well, the second thing this verse tells us about God is that God is my father. God is my father. Now, that's a personal term here. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father. And uh, that's the, what the verse says. And it says he's our father. So who's a father? Not whether you had a good or a bad earthly father figure in your life, the reality is the perfect father is one who loves you unconditionally, just loves you unconditionally, and you know, is going to give you everything he can and then some. You know, it just smiles when he looks at his son, he looks at his daughter, that's my boy, that's my girl. You know, that big come alongside thing that happens there. What, father who's, what loving father gives his children something bad when they're looking for something good, Right? That's who God is. That's how God sees us. Focus on your father who loves you unconditionally. Well, this verse goes on to say, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. So now I want to ask you, who is the only one, think about it, who's the only one with the power and authority to give someone the kingdom? Who would that be? It would be the, the king. A little slower on that one. Who has the power to give away the kingdom? Who owns the kingdom? It's called a kingdom because it belongs to the king thank you we're there so you can write that down so god is not just the shepherd my shepherd my father but god is the king and the king is what he's powerful he's immensely wealthy he's the king for goodness sake right how much more do you need to say and how can you take your eyes off the king just clothed in majesty and glory and power you can't take your eyes off him especially when the king's your dad when your king's your dad is the dad that's that's my dad the king right Ooh, what does that make me what does that make me great he's your dad and he's also your protective shepherd at the same time can you focus on the king who has the power to give you the kingdom and who loves you so much as the dad that he wants to give you the kingdom and he will give you the kingdom because he looks over you with attentive care every moment as your shepherd well the first thing this verse tells us or excuse me the fourth thing this verse tells us about god is really quite personal it's his attitude about this and it, it makes it really cool it's that god loves to delight us god loves to delight us this shepherd father king doesn't just begrudgingly take care of you. Oh, boy, I've got to look after those dumb sheep <laughs> again. And he, he doesn't begrudgingly love you. I'm his dad. I guess i got to give him something to eat. You know, and begrudgingly give you the kingdom. <laughs> Complaining the whole time about how much you don't deserve it. You know, as a dad, I do that sometimes. I'll treat my kids as long as I complain. That's not God. He loves to do those things. He loves to delight us. It says it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Isn't that something? It's like, wow, I get to do this. He cares for us with great happiness and delight. And he can do that fully when we shift our focus from the stuff, from the gifts, to the giver of the gifts. He gets to do that. He can do that. Sometimes we have to reframe. God is totally for us. Well, we just sang that, didn't we? The waves crashing over us. For God is for us. 
you're not against us. He's totally for us, 100% in love with us, smitten head over heels in love with us. And it's not rose-colored glasses, blind kind of love, turn the eye towards the... He sees us fully for how we are, and he rejoices in that. And he's so much for us, and he's so big, whoever might be against us doesn't begin to compare to him. It's, it's like they're not even there in perspective. It speaks to this in Romans 8, 31, 32. It says, if God is for us, we kind of just were singing, who can ever be against us? Rhetorical question. I mean, because it's God. And, and, and it says, since he, since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And God, this Father who loves us so much, gave the very most biggest, most precious gift he possibly could in Jesus. That huge gift. Isn't he going to take care of the little things too? Because it's that same God, that same king, that same shepherd, that same dad. So here's the deal. And, and although this may sound awfully basic to you, the main truth I, wanna, I would love for you to take home today is this. I can look down in fear and anxiety focused on the stuff and the needs and all that, all those sorts of things, I can look down or I can look up and, and choose a new focus and, and make it a new priority. Now, I want to take a moment to show you a visual example of how this works. Sean, do you mind coming up? I, I, I wanted to call a volunteer from the audience, but right beforehand during the last song, I said, Sean, would you be willing to come up? Because I you know, don't want to have you say no and use up all this extra time. Don't Thank you, by the way. Sit in the front row. Thank you very much. <laughs> See, little messages learned through this. So a couple of things I want to do. First, I need an extra little prop here. Easy. So you're right-handed? Doesn't matter, I guess. Left-handed? So go ahead and put your hand out. So we're talking about money today. And it's a 10, which is, which is more than a 1, and, but less than 100. Just doing some math here and stuff like So, so this, this is for illustration purposes. So go ahead and leave, leave your hand open. So there, what do, what do you have in your hand? $10. You have some money in your hand, and um, here's what I want you to do, okay? What we're going to do is this. Your goal is going to be to balance this broom. Go ahead and hold on to it so I let go, but you're going to keep your, mon- your eyes on the money, okay? Eyes on the money, fear and anxiety. So when you're ready, you're going to let go of this hand and keeping your eyes on the money, okay? You're going to balance that broom, and I'm going to back up. <laughs> All right, want to try again? He does. He says, come on, I can do better. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, good. You haven't had a chance to try this before, have you? No. Okay, so now let's do this again. Still has the money. Still an open hand, not a closed hand. Go ahead and hold on to it. Okay, now we're going to look up. We're not going to focus on the money. God's up. We're going to look up. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. You giving me this back? Thank you. Thank you, Sean. My first service example person wanted to keep this, and I said, I've got another service. So I said, if your eyes were up instead of on the money, you wouldn't even have noticed that. Perfect in that process. So, so here's the deal here. We, we, um, I'm focused on the money, and our lives turn into this frantic balancing act. It never quite works, does it? And it keeps crashing and burning and sometimes falls and hits us and, you know, whatever in the process. But we keep trying again and again, and this time it's going to go better. Maybe I just need to balance better, or maybe there needs to be more money there, or, you know, who knows what in the process. And God says, you know what? I know your needs. Just look up. Just look up. 
my focus is here. And God says, hey, it's going to work. We're going to make this work. It doesn't say it's always going to be easy. It doesn't, doesn't say all that, but our focus change is huge. And so I would love for us to, to understand that and, and, uh, and, 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 and take that home, even that visual image. Is God, if God is for us, who can be against us? So look up. Sometimes we're against ourselves, huh? <laughs> kind of work against ourselves. See, Jesus wants to help us simplify our financial world and our whole world. Focusing on money and things um, leads to fear and worry, so I will make a better choice. And we just said this, I will shift my focus, lose my fear, ditch the fear, and look up instead, change my focus. And that fear and anxiety that used to burden me nonstop, this is to our next point, I will exchange fear for generosity and contentment. I will exchange fear and all the anxiety and all those things that are there for generosity and contentment. And that's an exchange. You see, you see, as you shift your focus up, this shepherd, father, king that we talked about, this is, this is the personal God who loves to delight us, wants to replace that fear and anxiety with generosity and, and contentment. The next verse in Luke 12 says, go, Jesus goes on to say, and he kind of shifts here. He's talked about, hey, the birds, the flowers, God's taking everything. Hey, hey, take it easy. And then he says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. He says, you don't have to worry. <laughs> Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no, math can dis- no moth can destroy it. Now, Jesus says, as you turn over control of your uh, financial world, your material world to God, he's going to give you new values. He's going to give you new desires, new perspective, and even a new heart. That's going to happen. Things that used to matter for you as you did the balancing act that was frantic, it changes when life starts settling in and being more simple. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? We talked about exchanging the fear for the generosity and contentment. Some practical things, some subpoints. First of all, give instead of grab. Jesus calls us to say, hey, you know what? It's, it's, let's, let's give instead of grab. Now, where the world says, grab everything you can, you know, go for the gusto, get everything you can while you can, you know, get while the getting's good, and all those sorts of phrases that are there. Jesus says, quit the grabbing, and let's get on with the giving. You don't, you don't have to look to take more. We can do an open hand and give. And this whole passage, Jesus is saying, who do you think is giving you everything you have to date anyway, right? I mean, isn't that ultimately coming from, from me and he says, so now let me control you and your money and your stuff. And, and I will not only take care of you, I will do that, but I will take care of um, a whole lot of other people at the same time through you. Instead of this franticness, I wonder if God's going to care for me. It turns into a God's caring for me, and he's, he's even using me to care for other people. That's, that's crazy. That's cool. Now, there, there's this old saying that some people buy into, you can't outgive God. <laughs> Do you believe that's true? If you believe that even a little bit, then you can, then you can let up on the grabbing, you know, get on with the giving and find out that, that you have a life full of eternal riches as a result, that that, that can actually happen and, and, and lasting eternal riches. And yes, sometimes God even brings material rewards here on earth as he loves to delight us. He does want to take care of us, but it, 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 we don't, it doesn't always work that way. He, in, you know, we don't give in order to get. Well, I'm going to give a lot so God can give me more, and then I'll really be. Well, how does that work? Up, down, up, down. I'm going to give to God so he can give to me. But we do receive when we give. It's an amazing byproduct of looking up. And sometimes it's always eternal, and sometimes it's temporal in, in many ways. 
I was just thinking about as I was preparing the message, there's been times in our life since early marriage on through up to even very recently here when, I'll be honest with this, my wife does way better with this than me, you know, kind of sit down and figure out budget and stuff, and you're kind of making things work, and all of a sudden, you're aware of a big need, and God puts it on our or her heart to step in, and I don't mean just prepare a meal, although that can be a big thing too, but in a big way all of a sudden to to step in and, and help somebody really in need. You know, it's great to do the Christmas time thing, the person off the Christmas tree and help, but this is just here and there, and sometimes I'm kind of like, wow, honey, really? But okay, let's just go do that, and we've stepped out, and God has used us to bless other people in ways that have, have impacted them in huge kingdom ways. And I'm like, gosh, that was kind of a small cost. Maybe we had to change a few little things here, but I almost didn't notice it. But the win, oh, the chance to be a part of somebody's life in a big way has been fabulous to be Jesus to somebody. It's been great. So I wish I had as much faith as my wife Debbie does in, in this area sometimes. But I've been able to go along on the ride for some of that, and I'm learning myself. One of the other things that God would have us do is invest in eternal things. That's what he's talking about, invest in eternal things. Now, this shows up in a number of ways, eternal things, but one way that I want to highlight is in the area of tithing. You can go ahead and write that down, invest in eternal things, and one of the areas is tithing. Now, tithing is giving to God 10%. That's kind of what that word means if you go to the roots, and letting go of control. Um, Okay, tithing, giving, 10%. Where does control enter into this? Yes, yes. You see, when you start giving money to God and and you start returning because he gave it to us anyway, you start returning that, all of a sudden you have to say things like, God, I could use that 10% myself. You know I could, you know. You know I could use that, but... Am I going to give up control of that? Am I going to trust enough? Am I going to look up and, and invest in eternal things, not just myself and my own present and future? So the giving up control, it shows in a couple ways. One, I won't fear not having enough myself. I won't fear not having enough myself. And this is part of it because that, that fear that we want to exchange for contentment and generosity. You know, you, some of you may look at 10% and say, God, is God telling me I have to? Well, God gives us freedom in Jesus. It's so awesome. But he gives us kind of a guideline there and says, you know what? This is a good barometer. And, and so maybe you say, I'm not giving much. I'm going to dive in at 5 or 3 or 6% or whatever. And then see how God's going to bless you. And see how you can, you know what, I can nudge that up here and there, a, a percentage or so to bring that up in that process. Um, you know, it's, it's an important thing. And it's a possibility that God wants to do more in and through you than it's happening. It's kind of a marker of our dependence on God and your trust in him, that whole control thing. Do I need this 10% more than God? God doesn't need your money does not need your money you need to return some of that money to him you need to show that that your eyes can go up as part of your life the second thing is i won't control how it's used when i give it you know i'm not going to try to control it i'm going to go ahead and give that money that and i'm not going to be afraid that that how, how am i going to live god's going to provide god's going to take care of that reshuffle some priorities who knows what but the second one is i won't fear not having enough for myself and also then i won't control how it's used when i give it you know, God, it's yours to use. I'm going to look up and trust you. I'm going to give here. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to tithe whatever in this process. And you know what? Now it's, it's your choice, God, to use in the ways that, that you and your people decide. The tithing is an area that you can invest in eternal things. Another thing, another thing that God would have us take a look at is to reduce your consumption. Reduce your consumption so you can give more. So you can give more. Really, that's the goal behind it. And we're not trying to get all green and all that stuff here, but it's the concept of this. Um, Do I need everything that I consume? 
right? Here's some questions or some possibilities. These are things like this. Choose to live below your means. Like, what? That is so un-American. Live below my means? Why would I do that? (laughs) Well, perhaps it would allow you to be more generous, wouldn't it? Would it? Seems like however much we make, I talk to people, wherever their income level is, it's like we, we, we tend to live right, right about there. And wouldn't it be great if there was some space, you know, there was some space to be generous, to be able to, who knows what, whether it's family, friends, opportunity, ministry, whatever, but to have some space. I, don't, I actually don't have to spend everything that comes in, you know, based where we're at. It's a possibility. Maybe before making a purchase, ask yourself, do I really need this? Do you ask yourself that, or is that down the road? Do I, really, I didn't say, do I really want this? <laughs> do I really need this? Maybe that question will help in the whole process of, of really saying, God, I want this not to be about me. I want it to be about you. Um, maybe use up something before buying something new. <laughs> My wife would tell you that I sometimes take this to an extreme, and you can certainly go to an extreme on this, and maybe us guys go there sometimes, but it can feel so good to get that last bit of use out of something before tossing it, you know? It cracks me up sometimes when someone looks at their cell phone and says, man, I've had this thing for a year. I need a new one because it's not as cool as the newest one that came out. Now, if you just change cell phones, don't feel guilty. I'm just saying, you know, just, you know, because we all have our own little things. But you see what I'm saying? It's sometimes like, I can, I can get by with this for another day, week, month, year, whatever, you know, in that process. Do I, do I really need this? Do I want to? Another idea is to plan thoughtful, low-cost entertainment, at least sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we got to spend a lot to really get a lot of entertainment. And boy, that isn't the case, is it? In fact, if you reflect back, sometimes your most entertaining and fun moments, memories, had nothing to do with money that was spent. So maybe that's something you can consider. Um, Maybe just ask yourself, are there major changes that would allow me to simplify my life? Are there any major changes that would allow me to simplify my life? And it would be something to consider. I know these are some, some of many practical ways to replace that anxiety and fear with generosity and contentment. I'm okay with this, and I'm finding a good place of peace. And I guess I'd encourage you to give them a try. Now, Jesus closes his teaching on this subject by making a huge telling observation, and it's one that should lead us to make a decision. Uh, and, and you have a choice to do this, but this decision is simply this. I will link my heart to God, not my possessions and money. I will choose to link my heart to God, not my possessions and money. See, Jesus has just talked through all of this stuff, all these verses we've read and impacted or or, um, unpacked. And he says, for wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. There the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus knows that where we focus, either down at the money and the stuff, you know, at the rat race, at at the accumulation game, or up at the loving shepherd, Father King, that's where our heart will be. See, we think we can make it work by looking up and then down, alternately up, down, up, down, you know, trying to balance things while trying to do it our own way, you know, still giving God some his due, but we want to be in control. What a frantic way to live. There's no joy there, there's no contentment there, and there's not much generosity. And so I guess I just want to ask you today as we close this time together, what's your level of anxiety and fear uh, when it comes to money and things? are you at and and where is your focus today you know we kind of had a fun time to look at the whole broom thing but honestly for your life where are your eyes on the broom and how is that going is your focus down is it up is it pogo sticking up and down and trying to make that work and most importantly where is your heart 
See, God wants your whole heart, but, but he's not going to demand it. He's not going to demand it. It's your choice where you will focus and what you'll choose. He just wants you to know that, that there is a better way to do this than what the world screams you should do. Because the world all around us is all about what you got and what you're driving in your car and your clothes. And, your, and, 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 the, and, and God's saying something totally different. God's saying, look up. God's saying, look up. I'm, I'm your shepherd. I'm your daddy. I'm the king. And I love to delight you. And maybe there's a better way. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for caring for us, for loving us. And and thank you for Jesus' words on this uh, tough subject. And I say tough subject because um, it's money. (laughs) And you are so wise, God, because you know that where our hearts are, there our treasure is. And vice versa, it's so tied together, God. And I don't think any of us really want to say, I want my heart to be in money. But we're going to need some help, Father, some practical tips, some Holy Spirit inspiration and leading uh, to take these steps here today. Father, to shift our gaze from from what has dominated our lives, the, the money and stuff, Lord, and to shift it up and to move into a new area of trust. If you haven't made a decision for Jesus sometime in the past and you're here today, I want to say that's where it starts. Um, is to say it, it isn't just about getting my money together. It's about getting my, giving my life to Jesus and then giving my financial world to Jesus. I encourage you to do that. And if you've already done that, then there is a time to say, I'm going to loosen my grip and I'm going to look up. And God, we desire to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.